From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Actually, no, you are back to a brand new episode of Christmas is Cancelled. Today is our second chapter of our Christmas is Cancelled miniseries. We are covering the secret histories and alternate realities behind some of our favorite Christmas horror movies. So today for episode two, we are covering Silent Night, Deadly Night, and We're going to touch base on how we feel about this film and all that, but we're also going to dig into some of the secret histories and dark uh, distribution release issues that this film has faced. So our co-host for Christmas is Cancelled is the one and only Jinx. Jinx, how's it going? (laughs) Josh, it's, um, this isn't, it's not funny anymore. I've Uh been in this basement for a week now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You told me one episode, I did the episode and then you wouldn't let me go. I have been subsisting (laughs) on a diet of milk and skin cookies for the past week and I'm ready to leave, sir. We're on episode two today. We're just breezing through this. It's Christmas and Christmas is magical. Jinx, who are you? Like, what's your whole deal on a good day, on a day in the sun? Let me cast back and try and remember <laughs> days in the sun. Um, mm. I am a writer and podcaster. Uh, I've written for Bloody Disgusting, Horror Hounds, Dread Central way back in the day. I currently write for Bloody Disgusting, uh, an article series called Phantom Limbs, which delves into the histories of unproduced horror sequels and remakes. Uh, I have a handful of other columns as well. I'm not going to bore people by talking about them. Uh, in addition, I have a podcast called Scream Addicts, which is currently 
kind of underway and about to wrap up a special side <gasps> project that we've been doing over the course of the past year called Hammer Pub, wherein co-hosts Ali Chapel, Paul Farrell, and myself basically have a few drinks. We sit around and we provide running commentaries for Hammer movies. And uh, Josh, if you ever let me go free, I might invite you onto it to talk some Woman in Black someday. Just throwing that mm. out there. You're making a good point. I'm going to think it over. Well, Jinx, we're obsessed with you uh, to an unhealthy extent, and we're thrilled to have you today for Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'm just going to give us a little bit of a quick, brief little rundown of today's episode. So we're going to start with some film details. Me and Jinx are going to get personal about how we feel about these films. We're going to dig into the troubled release history. Yes, it's drama. Jinx, listen. Do you mind if I give some details, if I give a little bit of a brief seminar on the original Silent Night, Deadly Night? Well, Josh, I'm, uh, I'm at your mercy, so uh, you, you, you do oh, what you care to, sir. Oh, that's nice. Okay, well, Silent Night, Deadly Night is a 1984 American horror film. It's directed by Charles Selyer Jr. This movie stars <laughs> Robert Brian Wilson, Lillian Chauvin, Gilmer McCormick, Tony Nero, Lena Quigley, Brit, yeah, I know, Brett Leach, and Leo Gatter. Jinks, what is this movie about? If you had to, like, we're on an elevator, I have a gun to your head. What's the synopsis? Like, what would you, what would you say? Like, is the logline for this movie? <laughs> if you had a gun to my head. Okay. Yeah, yeah, hypo- hypothetically, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, let me try and imagine that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Silent Night, Deadly Night concerns a young man named Billy. He had the poor misfortune of watching his parents murdered on Christmas Eve by Santa Claus or a man dressed <laughs> as Santa Claus. Does he yeah. ever say, Josh? I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't say. <laughs> it could actually be Santa. That car is very Santa, but keep going. And uh, so the poor orphan, uh, newly minted orphan, as it were, is kind of mm-hmm. shuffled off to a, uh, a Catholic orphanage where he is subjected to even more abuse, as it were. And mm-hmm. he grows up to be a very unsettled young man. Uh, probably, does it ever say, is he late teens, early 20s by the time we... I think he was like 18, I thought, that number I heard, but who knows? Yeah, and then uh, once he's out in the real world, uh, the holiday rolls around again, and... Uh, well, he gets mm. triggered, you might say, and he yeah, winds yeah. up going on a, uh, what would you call it? Just a just a holiday rampage. A sleigh ride of sorts. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, that's that's about accurate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's get into oh, and, how... It, and it is oh, worth noting oh, oh, oh. that he does carry out all of his killings while also dressed as Santa. Yes. Um... Which must be, it must get hot, you know, that's like good for him because that, that can't be easy. Jinx, <laughs> what was your first encounter with this franchise? This, I'm going to say this movie, but if a different installment comes first, you can let me know. What's, what was first? No, you know, I did start at the beginning, but what's crazy, even for being kind of a huge slasher fan when I was growing up in the 90s and, you know, being a burgeoning fan of the genre and trying to check out as many of the franchises as I could beginning to end, you know, becoming kind of a completist. I would have mm-hmm. to watch all of the Nightmares, all of the Friday the 13th, all of the Texas yes. Chainsaw, so on and so forth. For whatever reason, Silent Night, Deadly Night never really appealed to me. And this is... You know, I'm somebody who adored Black Christmas at a young age. Uh, I adored Christmas Evil at a young age, but something about Silent Night, Deadly Night kind of put me off. And I don't really, I can't put my finger on what it is, except maybe to say that I kind of had a good idea what kind of movie it was. And I was (laughs) right, by the way. And uh, and that kind of movie, admittedly, isn't really my bag. And we can get into it when we talk about our impressions of the films. But Mm -hmm. I didn't actually see the movie until, uh, oh, I want to say Anchor Bay put out a nifty like anniversary DVD, probably 12, 15 years ago, something like that. And Mm -hmm. I kind of double featured the first two movies. And uh, that's that's how I saw them. Uh, And I wound up picking up the. You know, because I am a completist, even if I didn't care for the first two movies that much, I did have to own three, four, and five. And then eventually I went on to check out the, uh, I believe it's Stephen Miller who did the remake in uh, 2012, 2013, somewhere around in there. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of my uh, my history with uh, the franchise, which I got to say is not necessarily my favorite. 
but you know. I mean, listen, I'm grateful that it sounds like you have a bit more, like you have a bit of a deeper uh, reach than I do when it comes to the series. I had only ever seen the first one and I didn't see it until very, very late into my horror movie career. I remember, uh, yeah, it, something about the marketing campaign, even when I was a kid, I could tell that it was trash. Like it just reeks of pure trash, which is funny because yes, the the poster itself is gorgeous and wonderful. But I, I think maybe I knew even young that the poster was a lie. Like I think that's one of the more famous <laughs> lie horror movie posters there are. Um, so that's not good marketing. And then one day I saw it in like, like, like somewhat like this weird Toronto dive bar had like a, <laughs> like a screen up and it was playing it one winter and it was like really snowy and cold and nobody showed up but me and my friend. We were watching this like not very fun, weird eighties Christmas staple that I had never seen. And for all of those insults I just threw at it are sort of why I also celebrate it. So, Jinks, you said you've seen most of these, right? Or have you seen all of them? Right, yeah. So I, I collected them all over a decade ago so I could kind of do the completest thing and just kind of, like, knock through the entire franchise. But I got to admit, like, unlike franchises that I, uh, you know, enjoy, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not movies that I've revisited uh, as it were, to watch over and over again. So, uh, you know, my, my, my memories might be a tad fuzzy, but, uh, but yeah. Jenks, do you, are you a fan of this movie after revisiting it recently? Like, would you say this is a movie you, uh, is this one of yours? Not really, no. <laughs> okay. And here's the thing, like, being honest, I, I completely get its appeal. Like, I completely understand it. Like, you know, it, it's a it's an 80s slasher movie. It has that 80s slasher movie look, totally. as it were. Uh, you know, it, it's a holiday horror, which is always, uh, you know, that's that just gives horror fans the, uh, the warm and fuzzies, I think, more mm-hmm. often than not. But there's something about it that, you know, there's a certain... And I did call myself a slasher fan, and I am a slasher fan, but there is a certain breed of slasher that is less concerned with character and more concerned with just being mean spirited. And, you know, the the ones that you kind of, that are more, you feel like you need a shower after you watch them, you know, and, and silent night, deadly night definitely has that in spades. It's icky. It's unpleasant. uh, Mm -hmm. It's not really fun at all. No, it's Uh, mean as hell. Mean as hell. um, You know, with a couple of exceptions, like there aren't really any standout moments in the movie. I did say a couple of exceptions, like there are. Um, For sure. (laughs) But by the end of it, you know, once you get to the end credits, it's just kind of like, what was the point of this? Why, you know, what what is this meant to be doing? You know, it's not fun in the sense that a Friday the 13th movie could be. It's not good or tense or scary in the way that something like, uh, you know, Halloween is. It's just you know, it, it it's utterly kind of pointless to me. It doesn't justify its existence. And no. I know that a lot of fans out there and a lot of slasher fans are going to call bullshit on that or at least, you know, rage and shake their fists. And I completely get that. But no, it just, it never was quite my bag. So Well, yeah, it's also just not a well-made film. No. We, we recently revisited Black Christmas, which is you know, one of the best films maybe ever made. And to watch these two back to back, it really shows you what are good decisions to make in filmmaking and what are poor decisions. And this movie is just full of stupid, dumb decisions that really work against the film. Like like spending half of the runtime sort of explaining to us why he's going to start killing people. It's like, uh, like, I don't care. Like, this is boring and weird and, like, sad. And all this stuff, we, yeah, so we see a lot of him growing up as a child in an orphanage with abusive nuns all around him. And, like, it reminds me that, yes, like, the church is horrifying and maybe that's kind of cool that they portrayed that honestly. But, Jesus, what a, what a bummer. This movie's a bummer. For... All of the weight that it has, for all of the depth that it has, ultimately, the amount of time that we spend on his upbringing and his background and his kind of origin story as it was, like all of that could have been handled, I think, in a lengthy prologue sequence. I mean, if if Black Xmas 2006 can do it, this movie should have been able to as well. What do you mean can do it? I mean, I guess they technically did it, but it was 
terrible on that, and it was terrible in this. It was. Yeah, well, was you're right. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. It was yeah. terrible, but it was short. It was short, and I was never bored. So yeah, I black. <laughs> yeah, I mean, team team Black Xmas, I guess. Yeah, and I, I feel like a lot of these movies, especially now in the when the slasher trope was still forming, it was only 1984, I think. Uh, they were still not totally sure like what tropes were to stick to and like which yeah I feel like they were still finding their footing as a subgenre and you can see that with this one although it does have some pretty funny amazing kill sequences um do we want to run through some of the the more memorable kills from this movie because I think sure. it it deserves it um so I'm gonna give the most obvious historical one which is uh, the antlers, where, the he, where antlers. he picks up that naked girl and, and kills her with antlers. It's I'm pretty sorry, cool. Josh. Josh, Is that Josh, Lena Quigley? No. Is that Lena Quigley? You don't <gasps> just say oh naked girl, I'm Sarah. sorry. Who? What, I'm going to cut all this out. Was that Lena Quigley? That was Lena Quigley, yes. Okay, and when he kills Lena Quigley with the antlers on the wall, very, very iconic, bizarre death sequence that will never be forgotten. That is my favorite. I mean, it's got to be the antlers sequence. I, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, I said that this movie has a couple of standout moments and I think that's one of them. I mean, it's, it's imaginative in its own way. It's genuinely tense, like the sort of buildup. It's, it's gruesome and shocking. And, um, look like the red blooded caveman in me is obliged to say that 1984 Linnea Quigley is insanely attractive. So oh that my God. May... babe of the century horror babe <sighs> of the millennia. I mean, between that and, like, her other appearances throughout genre movies in the 80s, she's just, like, super yeah. crush-worthy. Oh, it, she's uh, the biggest babe of all time. I'm, we're obsessed with her. And there's one a little bit later when I think the boyfriend stumbles in to her, <laughs> into her dead body. You get, like, a full-on shot, and it's great. It's one of the more, like, incredible shots in this film where you just see her, like, dead against the wall it's pretty scary actually one of the only moments in the film where i was like oh i'm scared yeah absolutely the whole sequence i think is a standout if the you know we i talked about the movie being kind of like mean-spirited and not very well made but honestly if the other set pieces in the movie were sort of at that level mm -hmm. i think i would enjoy it a hell of a lot more oh, yeah and honestly even though that's the most I would say the most famous kill sequence in this movie, maybe arguably it's not my favorite. Um, what would you, I, I, should I make you guess what my favorite is or should I just tell you what it is? Please I feel like just tell me because it's gotta be the sleigh ride decapitation. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. And uh, you know what? Honestly, also like a little scary, even though it's the most outrageous and silly moment of all time. Um, I love, there's something so effective about eighties, like teen bullies no matter what movie, no matter how good or bad the movie is, a, like a, a bullying sequence with kids is always going to like be intense and scary and worse than the kills. And so when you have that like classic 80s uh, bully sequence with those some of the more likable characters in this movie, I would say those two kids, um, that scene's great. And, and oh, and there's a part where the other like the nice kids are looking into the woods and there's like there's somebody here. Like, get out of the woods. There's a killer Santa. But yeah, that decapitation scene where he's going down the hill on the sleigh <laughs> and Billy just jumps out of nowhere and I think says naughty and cuts off his head. Am I naughty. right? Naughty. Punish. Naughty. Punish. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Hulk. <laughs> uh, gotta be my favorite <laughs> scene in the movie. Also, because it's in the woods, kind of gives me um, winter Friday the 13th vibes. Which we still deserve one day, someday. You and I has got to do an episode on um, on Winter Friday the 13th. I, I have a here worst kill, but I'm going to assign this to you and I'm just going to tell you what it is. The The opening scene is is just so, well, not opening yeah. scene, but like the first scene where Billy's parents get murdered is just horrendous. Jinx, can you tell us about it in case anyone forgot? It's super icky. So, you know, you, you have the sequence where Billy and his parents go and visit the grandpa and which, by the way, I do want to talk about that at some point. <laughs> yeah. Wait, should we do that right now before we just please, it's chronological? Please. Okay. The grandpa at the very beginning, very beginning of this movie, the killer that would grow up to be the killer is like a little tiny, cute, adorable child with lipstick on. And he's with his parents and they're going to go visit his grandpa at the, what do I call it? At the sanitarium, sanatorium. Who knows the, the the hospital, 
And Grandpa's like catatonica, just staring at the wall, being like, I don't see you. I don't hear you. Please go home. And so the mom and dad are like, this is what we do. We leave the child with the catatonic vegetable man because that's what we're going to do. So just stay here with you. It is the 80s, okay? It could have been worse. So they leave this child with this catatonic man. And of course, the second the parents leave, the catatonic man's like, in action he's like just kidding that's not real i just don't want to talk to anyone by the way kid santa's evil and it's christmas and if you ever like did anything as bad as sneeze he's gonna fucking kill you and the kid's like grandpa what like why are you doing this to me i'm just a kid and the grandpa's like fuck you and then when the parents come back into the room he just like pretends to be catatonic again why jenks why i think that the grandpa sequence is and i say this genuinely is a marvelous short (laughs) film that stands above everything else in the film it could be its own little five minute short film and it would be a masterpiece i genuinely mean that it is a wonderful scene that is enjoyable on its own uh i mean the (laughs) the scariest damn night of the year you know that (laughs) what I, it is so good. And his, the, the, the grandpa's performance in it is so great. And the effect on the kid and there is something, and here's the thing. I think that's part of the reason I don't like the movie is because the promise of that scene Uh is one that's going to be creepy and spooky, but also have like this marvelous vein of dark humor. Okay. What's the guy that made killing of a sacred deer and the lobster, that Greek director? uh, Yeah. uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, I think that was like his first short film. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, but yeah, but the problem is, is that you immediately follow it up with a sequence (laughs) where Billy's parents Mm -hmm. are uh, carjacked by a Santa and uh, you know, the, in a very grim, just grindhouse icky sort of way, uh, you know, the, the Santa, you know, evil Santa as it were, Mm -hmm. shoots the father, tries to rape the mother and then ultimately like, isn't successful, but slashes her throat. And it's like brutal. What the fuck am i and, and the little kids like, walk the little kid is like and this is all from the little kids pov in the bushes yeah he's seeing it all and it's like okay this is the worst batman origin story uh, i've seen yet oh my god jinx jinx i don't know i don't i've never heard that take before that's hilarious i'm dying of laughter i've died Thank you. you know, and then like poor Billy, you know, he gets recruited and then like a Santa Claus flies through his window at night and he decides to become a, <laughs> uh, a DC superhero who dresses like Santa Claus and murders um, everyone. And that's DC for Dread Central. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I agree with everything, everything you just said. And so that's the basic origins. Well, that's like the proposed basic origins of Billy the Killer. I personally think he's a killer based on his origins getting abused by nuns in an orphanage like i oh, think 100%. that's that's the majority i don't think it's because santa killed his family really bad i think it's because of the systematic abuse of the catholic church well i think i i, I agree with you and i don't i do think that the core of his psychosis is seeing a santa claus who is terrifying <laughs> who took his family away from him i yeah. think the nuns are such that you know what that kid needed was to be healed yeah. right after and he wound up in a place that should have been doing exactly that and instead it just yeah. further victimizes him and you know the the hypocrisy of the place is what ultimately you know honestly if we wanted to peel back enough layers in this movie we could find meaning in it where i'm sure there was none intended to be but you know it doesn't mean that we can't have fun parsing through all of that stuff anyway speaking of fun and i'm probably going to cut this out and i apologize for even saying it but the orphanage sequences at this like um with with the catholic church and these nuns really remind just because i'm in canada and we we always are taught about the horrors of the residential schools it gave me like residential school system vibes and about like these this was real like nuns were like murdering or like orphan children often usually indigenous when it came to canadian orphanages so no i think you're scary as hell i think you're right to point that out and surely that was kind of in the air i mean i don't think it was a uh it wasn't a random choice to make the nuns villainous in this movie. 
Um, yeah. Not all of the nuns, but I mean, you know, no. enough that it's a problem, obviously. <laughs> I know she was so problematic and abusive and a horrible and a monster. Then why did I kind of like think <laughs> the evil nun was kind of cool? <laughs> no, she's not cool. She's abusive. I liked her. I thought she was a badass, except for when she was like abusing children. Like I like yeah, her. She, <laughs> yeah, like her. the um, sister superior. You t- you you draw the line. <laughs> at child abuse. I draw the line of child abuse, but I I get back on the line for like yes, you're a tough lady. Um, that's I'm gonna this episode's gonna be cut to, to ribbons. Leave it, leave it. Leave no, it all. I cannot. Leave it all, oh shit! Why are all Christmas horror villains named Billy? So it's funny you had posed that question, and immediately I had never considered this before, but now. <laughs> I just want to know, is there any chance that Silent Night's Billy could be Black Christmas's Billy? We have to we have to squint oh our eyes a little bit. God. We have to we have to rub some Vaseline on the lens uh, when it comes to like the 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 time periods. Yeah. But other yeah. than it that, it is a ten year difference. I keep thinking about how it's a ten year difference between the movies, and yet Black Christmas looks so much nicer. It really does. <laughs> it's just so much. It's like wow. It's like what happened in these? Did the apocalypse happen in these ten years? And like. This is the best we could do with the zombies running around. Like that's the only excuse that would make sense. Well, I mean, you know, Black Christmas was in Canada, and Canada takes care of itself. And Silent Night, <laughs> Deadly Night is where exactly? Uh, Utah, honey. Well, there we go. What's with all these horror movies getting filmed or taking place in Utah? Wasn't like the bunch of Friday the Thirteenth in Utah? I demand answers. Um, I I have an innate fear of Utah as a result. So any shit talking is down to the movies that I watched in my youth. So are you from? Forgive me, Utah listeners. You're not from Utah. You're from North Carolina. Oh my god, I have no idea. What the hell? I'm from Southern Ohio. Josh. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jinx. Southern Ohio. Southern Ohio. Is there a town name that I should know? A little place called Franklin Furnace. Franklin Furnace. Yep, uh, I would call Stop. it a. I would call it a one stoplight town. A Franklin Furnace, but it that didn't means... have a stoplight until about a decade ago. Certainly no, not when I was growing up. It's the best fucking name. It's the best horror movie town name of all time. Franklin Furnace. Okay, I s- seriously wanted. I still want to make a horror movie called The Furnace <laughs> that is set in my old hometown. I really. Why do. can't you call it Franklin Furnace? It's weird and long. It has to be the Furnace or just Furnace. What about that? No, either either would be fun <laughs> okay um we are gonna get this pitch together and i am going to swindle you for millions cut me on a part of it i'll be fun it's cool deal you know what deal that you're uh, you are getting um, i'm easy Josh. bad end of the business here that's fine <laughs> you're in the basement whatever you get you be grateful for who opens a door totally shirtless in the middle of winter this is my question hey josh josh yep, yep. yep. don't judge yep. Don't. Sometimes when you're no. living in Southern Ohio, okay. you hear strange noises and you rush to investigate before clothing yourself. I don't leave. I live alone and I don't leave the bedroom without a shirt on. That It's it's uncouth. It's unpleasant. And it's unkind. Put on a shirt. Just kidding. I don't want to like, I don't want to slut shame anyone, but it was cold as hell. Like you're going to get a cold lady. I, I had... Zero issues with her choices there. So, uh, like, I was hot too. I hope they were both at least eighteen. I'm always like, can I be turned on by this person? Oh gosh, Please. good point. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I I always wonder in these horror movies. You've got to be eighteen to get. But the guys never, because guys don't like girls. I'm assuming if they show boobs, they absolutely have to be eighteen. I would be shocked if that wasn't the case. Uh, unless it's like Friday, what Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, Five. Which one of those had an underage girl? <gasps> oh no yeah. friday i had so much more expectations of you yeah well that was lena quigley so that's fine she's killer she's queen um i wish she had more to do in this movie but that's same i mean what, what there wasn't more to do in this movie though so no offense to anybody any final personal thoughts personal feelings personal encounters with the original silent night deadly night film the music's kind no, of No, I just, I hope that fans listening out there who actually like the movie don't uh, hate us too much for not liking the movie so much. It's just not, mm. it's not that I hate the movie. It's just simply mm. that it's for me. If you like it, 
more power to you. I, I love a couple of sequences in it, but beyond that, it's kind of disposable to me. Jinx is showing you guys respect, but where did that get him? No, that got him in the basement. You guys don't deserve respect. This movie is terrible. I'll watch it many more times, though. Like, I'll watch it every year if I can. Um, I just don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. You get it. Um, yeah, that's it for me on this movie. I celebrate it. I don't like it. Let's get into secret histories and alternate realities. Jinx, you yep. don't know this, but I'm going to give you the ability to pick between the two because today we have secret histories and alternate realities. Bloody Which hell. Goes- um, let's go with secret histories. Ooh, secret histories. So it's not so secret, but Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, ended up being one of the most controversial horror movies of the 1980s. Jinx, can you guess why? If I had to guess, that iconic (laughs) poster probably played no small part. (laughs) No. Yeah, we take Santa very seriously in America. Santa is the symbol of capitalism, and capitalism is kind of our god. So this is like, this is, what's it called when you're mean to God? um, Or the government? What's that called? It's that. (laughs) I would hope that those would be two entirely different things. I think it's the same uh, word. Maybe it's not. It's bad. It's something that we take very seriously, Santa Claus, and this movie really shat all over him, and people were really mad about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we we want our Santa hawking Coca-Cola. Yes, we want our we Santa... To in, the sanctity yes, of the holiday. Yes, Santa rides on polar bears, and he he makes Coke. So, yeah, so... <laughs> So there was this whole advertising campaign for this film in the 1980s, particularly these TV trailers and some posters that we were talking about with the hand with coming out of the chimney with the axe. It really, really upset uh, parents in America. And it's it upset the PTA. Gosh, you, you mispronounced the country's name. Come on. In, in, Amer- in America. America. In Amer- America. I'm Canadian. You know, I don't know anything about you guys. You know, how you guys don't know anything about us. Well, I, um, we don't know shit that's, about you. that's not true. Um, <laughs> well, you really? I, uh, David Cronenberg is president. Um, wow, okay. First of all, uh, prime minister, but yes. <laughs> sure. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. the second Super uh-huh. Troopers was set up there. Oh, my God. And, that's and enough. Sorry, and, no, no, no. That's most oh most important thing. Um, let's see. Um, oh my god, uh, the Canadians are screaming. The, I can hear them. The marvelous, okay, so uh, uh, Canada plays home to no, the marvelous not. Alley Chapel. Oh, that's true. And you all like to say a boot, so <clears throat> you know what? I can't argue any of that. Um, <laughs> my, well, I can't, I cannot. Um, yeah, so the PTA got involved. Jinx, who the hell are the PTA? It sounds so familiar. The Parent Teacher Association? The Parent Teacher Association. What what nerds? The Paul Thomas Andersons want (laughs) to have this film removed. (laughs) Paul Thomas Anderson was pissed as hell about this movie. And he got it removed from theaters due to the fact that it was about a killer Santa. Um, People were specifically pissed off because this movie aired ads uh, on programs such as Three's Company, Little House on the Prairie. It was uh, primetime promoted. And a lot of families saw it. A lot of kids saw it. And this got a lot of kids pissing their panties. And parents weren't liking that. Parents Which I call like, bullshit no, on no, that. No. I don't think it did at all. I frankly think mm-hmm. that you had a lot of parents who thought that their kids might be upset about this and rather than just having a conversation with their children and outlining the difference between fiction and fantasy instead they just had to satiate their need to feel righteously angry about something anything to feel better about their terrible little fucking lives their lives are bad the PTA in 1984, come on, nobody's fucking, it's terrible. Um, yeah, so the people were literally pissed off, and to the point where people were protesting theaters, people were protesting its premiere, people were, like, gathering together and singing Christmas carols in protest. The whole scene, it was a mood, but it did eventually get this film pulled from theaters. Uh, I don't know how long it was theaters. Was it in theaters just for like a couple of weeks? Does that sound familiar to you? It was not there long. I'm just wondering. They they stage protests. How good did, must we have had it in the 80s that these dipshits 
like that's the thing mm-hmm. that, that they chose to that protest, launches yeah. them into action that gets their asses off the couch yeah to go yeah. out and pick it <laughs> yeah like where were they during rodney king i bet they were not outside um yeah these people suck i bet they sound terrible to me yeah they they were successful they got it pulled from theaters to what i understand i'm stealing this from another podcast but in its initial couple of week opening it sir it did better at the box office than a nightmare on Elm street. They were in theaters at the same time and this surpassed it in the charts. If they just held true, I think, you know, this is a franchise that might have really taken off. And I say really taken off. I mean, there were five installments and a remake. So <laughs> I don't suppose that's anything. <laughs> at to what cost on. though? At what cost? <laughs> exactly. But Very you know, cost actually they're cheap. I mean, if something like Friday the 13th, which look, I, I think the Friday the 13th movies are fun. I really do. But if, mm. if we're going to act like the first movie is a great work of art, then we're lying to ourselves. And that mm. is a movie that spawned a lot of sequels, made a lot of money, and actually had some pretty great installments down the line. I think the same might very well have been true for Silent Night, Deadly Night, if they just stayed the course, if they just rode that controversy, that bad press, into yeah. just you know piles of cash, I think they would have been fine. Jinx, we're talking about we're talking about original films on two different tiers. I believe Friday the Thirteenth that's on a different tier. This movie is on the same tier as Sleepaway Camp, IMO, oh, and I don't Josh, think it's ever going to escape that. It is, you Josh, know, Josh, that it is. Josh, stop making good points. <laughs> stop it. Never. Only most of the time. Yeah, that's you're, how I feel. You're not so, yeah. wrong about that. Sleepaway Camp is. Uh, is yeah. a big bunch and not great too. And, and, for, they, and for many it also has a bunch reason. of weird sequels. And a yeah, remake, yeah, and it's I don't. That know. needs a fucking remake as hell. We gotta do like. Did you see the the update on Slumber Party Massacre? I did not, but I heard nothing but good things about it from my co-host. Yeah, we gotta do a similar thing with Sleepaway Camp. People, get it together, Raven Banner. Okay, but is that if they did it? Do you think they would shy away from the big twist at the end, or would they embrace no, it and it make it that. less problematic? It would. I think it would become a, a trans story from start from start to end. I would be okay done. with that. I, I think it would be. I think that and would they, be a good start. And I think the lead would probably be trans. Maybe we'd have a trans killer too, but I doubt it. Based on Hollywood's craptastic history with 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 making trans people violent. Um, I think it would have to be like, yeah, a cool trans horror story. Make it happen, Hollywood. Um, where were we? What are we talking about? Who are you? Can we? Uh, can okay, but sticking with that for a second, could we not have a Sleepaway Camp movie that instead recasts the hero as trans rather than the villain? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I was saying. I okay, think you need no, to make no, the hero I, I would, trans. Yes, yeah. so I would be not merely okay. So when you say hero, you don't necessarily mean like just the face of the franchise, but like literally the hero. Of yeah. The, the hero of the movies. first film. Like, yeah, yeah, the, no, yeah, yeah. I think that would be great. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this, I think Angela, I don't know if Angela is the, is the bad guy in it. Maybe she is. If she is, maybe make her sis. I don't know. There are ways to get into this and make it cool and fun. And uh, let's woke up. Uh, sleepaway camp. Oh my god, so many readers are gonna get mad at that. That's fine. <laughs> okay with that. Um, yeah. So white people were mad. They got this movie taken out of theaters. TriStar Pictures, who originally put it out, pulled all um their ads that they had in the world after the release on November fifteenth, nineteen eighty four. So yeah, the film was pulled due to controversy. There was a producer for the film. His name is Ira Barmack. He said this to People Magazine. People have taken offense at Santa being used in a scary context. Santa Claus is not a religious figure. He's a mythic figure. I didn't deliberately ride roughshod over that sensitivity, and I didn't anticipate the objection to it. I liked how angry I made him. That, that was, was fun. Okay, yeah, that was, um, I felt the anger on that. <laughs> I was mad. And then he kills Fuck's everyone with an axe. Sorry. I'm get, get back in the basement. An editorial was published in, in um, Variety around that time. And that said something along these lines. Most protests were generated by the feeling that the depiction of a killer in a Santa Claus suit would traumatize children and undermine their traditional trust in capitalism. I mean, Santa Claus. Okay, so going back to your first quote. (laughs) One, really angry. 
Uh, yeah. Two, you know, he, he's not wrong. Santa Claus is not a religious figure. He is a mythic character. And if anybody knows anything about the origins of the myth, Santa Claus comes part and parcel <laughs> with the notion of punishing bad little boys and girls. Like you have, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in some cases you have Santa himself uh, with, you know, the coal and the stockings or whatever, which admittedly is a far less, uh, you know, terrible punishment than getting shoved onto deer antlers. Yes, admittedly. Yep, but then yep, you have yep, figures yep, like, yep. Uh, you know, Black Peter and Krampus and, uh, nice. you know, figures who are meant to actually, you know, meet out punishment. Uh, whereas, you know, Santa rewards the other figures punish. And so for people to get all up in arms with the notion that Christmas, you know, as far as the mythic side of it, when we want to plant all of these um, uh, make-believe figures, you know, into it, like a uh, fucking reindeer that fly and Santa and whatnot. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that they would get up in arms over a violent treatment featuring those characters is just kind of fucking silly and ignorant in its own right. Now, for the mm-hmm. second quote, did I hear that right? Uh, undermine traditional trust in Santa Claus. That's what they said in Variety, yeah. So let's unpack that. Let's unpack that little present. Let's talk about that for a second. Yep, 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 yep. Let's take the ribbon off, you know, let's make it sexy. So Ira Barmack, in the first quote that you noted, like he was talking about how Santa Claus is not a religious figure, and that's a fact. And yet, you know, we, and here's the thing, bit of info about me, I am a Christian. I also live in a country where I am utterly exasperated by large swaths of people that call themselves Christians, but act Mm -hmm. as though they're anything but, Mm -hmm. uh, which sadly is the largest faction, it seems, in this country. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I I think it only seems because they're just the loudest. Um, Yeah. You know, there's there's so many swaths of what a a buddy of mine described as hippocristians living (laughs) in, you know, the Bible belt that it unfortunately gives the religion as a whole um, a, a really bad name when in fact the teachings of Christ, I think, are probably teachings that most people could get on board with pretty easily. Um, yeah, it's just like, why why all the hate against the gays general public? Exactly, um, when in fact that is not Christians, what, yeah, yeah exactly. How did that get into the main, into the zeitgeist? I'm scared. Um, but yeah, I know you're right. It, it, it's just the loud assholes that are ruining it for everyone. Thank you. Um, but by it, those um assholes aside mm. by and large all christians in this country raise their children believing in such concepts early on as the tooth fairy uh-huh. the easter bunny uh-huh. santa claus yes and god Whoa. and one by one all of those figures fall so if mm-hmm. you're a christian raising your child to believe in the tooth fairy the easter bunny santa claus and god okay first the tooth fairy, that's the first one to go. Like the first time you wake up and, you know, somebody's trying to slide a quarter under your pillow and take your tooth away or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm calling bullshit. Okay. And the tooth fairy is a pretty big stretch in a way. Now the Easter bunny, the idea of a large man-sized bunny hiding Easter eggs around to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Like, where did he get those eggs? <laughs> well, like, I mean, did, he, did he make them? Like, I have Did he lay them? Yeah, um, I, I was like, you're a mammal, babe. Like, <laughs> but you know, I, I, uh, there's a great Bill Hicks skit about the Easter <laughs> Bunny that listeners out there just look up Bill Hicks and Easter Bunny. It's, uh, it's marvelous, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> an Easter Bunny came in the night and laid eggs. Why those two things? You know, it's why not weird. goldfish laid Lincoln logs or something oh. like that? Um, <laughs> But no, no, at a certain point, you know, even though you continue to celebrate Easter, the notion of the Easter bunny, that falls away too. And that leaves standing alone by himself, Santa Uh, Claus. Well, next to God. And you, well, that's the thing, you know, so far as Christians go, as far as they're, you know, if you believe in God, you're still making up these other figures for your children to believe in, only to tell them that they ultimately don't exist. And the last one to go out is usually Santa Claus and around maybe eight, nine or 10. You know, when you get to about seven or eight, that's when you start having like these really long, difficult talks with your buddies on the schoolyard. Like, do you, do you think he's real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, hold on, hold on. Have you ever seen him? Fuck, I don't know. And then, like, you know, I you smoke like, cigarettes and, uh, and you're you like just... freaking out. And you have that, like, Charlie board from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and your eyes <laughs> are all black. And you're like, I can figure it out. <laughs> uh, so, but eventually, yeah, you know, your parents sit you down and they have the talk where it's like, well, Santa Claus may not be real, but he's real in spirit, he's yeah. in your heart. It's your the dad's not coming season. back. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh my He's God. gone. He's gone. So to me, I never understood. It's like, you finally get the God. <laughs> and it's like, are, you know, I'm just wondering, like, are Christians doing their faith any favors at all by continually undermining your children's trust in figures that they cannot see, that are not tangible before them? It's like, okay, not real, not real, not real, still real. You know, it's a little Mm -hmm. that's so when I hear somebody talk about the traditional trust in Santa Claus, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Funny to me, it sounds like a capitalistic issue. Like kids are not going to like Santa. Santa brings presents. Presents cost money. Your parents buy the presents with their money. This is important. This is a clog in the system. How (laughs) dare you stop us from getting money? That's my take on it, to be honest. Consume. Consume. Obey. Um, uh, (laughs) What was he saying in the movie? Um, Punish. Naughty. Punish. Naughty. Hulk. Punish. Um, (laughs) You know what, Jinx? This was fucking fun as hell um i want to get into conclusions are you comfortable with that does that make you feel okay yeah but i do want to ask do we want to get to the conclusions before we mention gene siskel and roger ebert wow you read the room you saw that josh was trying to, to evade it but you know what how can we talk about silent and deadly night without getting to, to, to siskel and ebert so no yeah we gotta do it um yeah so those those two nerds. Can you tell us how the, how they're involved in this controversy? Because I know, but you're going to do a better job. And I love you. No, no, no. I mean, the thing is, in the midst of all of this major backlash against the movie, we also had White Knights Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert writing to the rescue of children everywhere by decrying oh, a slasher movie that those same kids never would have seen until years later. Anyway. And And also making it more relevant and ensuring more children will be seeing it. uh, 100%. It's the forbidden fruit. You know why? You you tell, if they would have just left it alone, kids probably would have stayed away in droves anyway. But by telling them they can't see it, you've all but guaranteed that they are going to seek that shit out. It's it's faces of death in the 80s and 90s. (laughs) I I need to stay away from that. But yeah, I know you're absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. That's exactly my point. You knew to stay away, but you know as well as I do, if somebody had told you that you shouldn't watch it i'd be like hold on a second i'm writing the name down i'm gonna ensure i never see it because i <laughs> am a sissy anxiety jewish baby yeah but siskel and ebert you know much like their uh, you know their crusades also targeted slasher movies and uh i mean friday the 13th's betsy palmer they what's hilarious mm. to me about those guys is that they decried the misogyny of earlier 80s slasher films and then they doxed an actress like great job guys well done <laughs> you, you did good you fucking nimrods i um, mean obviously these are the fucking biggest nerds in the world but i do i will say this and being honest here as many stones as i can lob in their direction i will say i genuinely like each of those guys and their work me and what me they too. meant me to too. me growing up as a film nerd in the 90s but the sanctimony in certain cases like this is off the fucking charts and utterly indefensible especially coming like come on coming from the writer of beyond the valley of the dolls like get off your high horse you know what i mean yeah Uh, i mean i mean a woman was raped and then her throat was cut in front of a little child who i'm guessing was watching it all on set like i don't think they there were there were children unions back then but yeah Shut up, Gene and Siskel and nah. Margaret Ebert. It is, it is worth noting that they could champion genre films at times. Like Ebert wrote wonderful reviews for like yeah, yes. the original Halloween, for example. So w- were they all bad? No. Are they complicated figures? Yes. But mm-hmm. in this case, uh, you know, even though I don't personally care for the movie, um, I, I do think their war on the film was uh, more hilarious than not. Yeah. But um... – I wonder if it would be as relevant today if they hadn't taken it down or if it would be more relevant. Like, before we get into conclusions, like, what would have happened if this film hadn't been pulled from theaters? Do you think it would have been more of a classic, less of a classic, or the same? I think... 
the film itself would have been the same. Now, the franchise, on the other hand, I think might have been markedly different. I think we might be uh, currently wondering why we haven't had a a sequel to the reboot in the last 12 years because of rights issues holding it up. We just want more Billy. Uh, You know, we we might be on movie number 12 or 13 at this point. It might have cleaned up for whatever distributor elected to pick it up after the monstrous success of the first film probably would have been paramount. Uh, could you imagine the one, two punch every year of Friday the 13th and silent night deadly. Oh, um, but instead, no, I mean, they, they kind of kowtowed to uh, the pressure that they were under. And then they kind of eked out the rest of the entries in this franchise when they probably should have stayed theatrical. They could have gotten better and we could have seen a completely different series of movies as a result. Yeah. Yes, I think you're absolutely correct. I think the first one, the same, but yes, the lineage would look so different today. So, Jinx, in conclusion, do you think we're ever going to get another Silent Night, Deadly Night movie? Yes. Do I know what that will be? No. Um, there there have been a couple of mooted attempts. Um, the gentleman who played Ricky, who was Billy's brother in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, you might know him as the guy who uh, who gravely intones Garbage Day in, uh, yeah. in part two. Apparently, he wrote a sequel that he tried to get off the ground. And I don't know that he I mean, up until this point, he obviously hasn't had any luck whether or not he will one day. Who knows? In addition to that, I think there was an attempt at a sequel to the uh, Stephen Miller kind of sort of remake um from mm-hmm. was it 2013 or so mm-hmm. uh which i gotta admit i actually kind of enjoyed the hell out of that movie but um you know i i would be all for that but more likely than not i think if the franchise continues it's going to be another remake or reboot or you know maybe if they're feeling a little squirrely they'll try to uh you know do like a halloween 2018 like texas chainsaw oh, yeah. 3d sort of thing and just do a direct sequel like a legacy thing it's like like a sequel reboot same title bloomhouse moment yeah but who knows i do but here's the thing will it ever make the theaters probably not like that that has hulu premiere scrawled all over it or shutter premiere maybe who knows but uh i'm fine with that i'm fine with that oh, sci-fi no, og why not? not knocking either of those i think that would be great i know uh, i know i know yeah. but you know it's it's I I will be curious to see what the next step is for this series. Jinx, where can you be found? You know, other than the basement. Um. Well, if I ever get out, maybe people can find me on Twitter again. Uh, that's at Jinx nineteen eighty one. People can find my writing at Bloody Disgusting, and uh, you can find my podcast that is at Screamatics uh, or just Screamatics dot com. Uh, like I said, we are about to wrap up the Hammer Pub special project uh, uh, pretty soon, I think, within the next couple of months. We are just about through with uh, Old School Hammer, and then we're going to dive right into the uh, the new Hammer era, starting with Beyond the Rave and The Resident and The Woman in Black soon enough. So, Very cool. Very exciting. Jinx, we love you. We're going to give you better sandwiches this week. We're going to give you protein. It's going to be the best week of your life. Um, And we're going to see everyone else pretty soon when we follow up with our third installment of Christmas is canceled. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with another episode of development. Hell. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.